0: Hello and welcome to the Sherlux podcast. I'm Georgie Courage-Cole, the founder and editor of Sherlux. Now, today's episode is something a little different. I'm joined by broadcaster, writer and psychotherapist Lucy Beresford. Lucy is ITV This Morning's Agony Aunt, LBC UK's Naughty Mary Poppins and Sherlux's go-to for advice on everything sex and relationships. At Sherlux, we take our role in curating all aspects of life for our readers really seriously. We know that whether it's about fashion or sex, we are in a fortunate position to be able to put the questions you want answered to the experts. So we've enlisted the help of Lucy and asked what you want to know. From how to improve your libido to how to be better at foreplay, honestly, your questions came in in their droves. Lucy, we've got a lot to get to. Let's start off with communication. Seems like a good place to start. The chat.
1: A lot of people asked, how do you get over feeling embarrassed about talking about sex? It's interesting, isn't it? Because we're quite happy to actually have sex, which involves putting bits of your body next to bits on someone else's body, but actually talking about it makes us really squeamish, which seems a bit strange. I think the key thing to remember is to set aside sensible time for it. So don't try and have the conversation as you're just both flying out of the door to go to work or you're both getting out of the car to go into the supermarket. So first of all, it will be timing. Make a sort of special effort for it to be a dedicated space. And Almost diarising it so that you're both up for it as opposed to one of you thinking, right, I'm going to spring this conversation on so-and-so where my partner and I are just having a, an easy dinner And then you start talking about it. If they don't know, then they may clam up. So maybe you you email them, you text them or something. I think some people literally can't get the words
0: out. Yes. You know, I'm not happy. I want to talk about our sex life. That's a hard thing for people to say. Almost
1: like once you've said that, that's out there and it's easier. But I think it's just that initial... And also I think the phraseology is really important. So if you were to be really blunt and to say, I'm really hating my sex life. I think you're really rubbish. Not that anybody would. But some people might think that that's the way they need to address this. It's kind of... Because they're so anxious, they just blurt it out. Whereas it actually, you almost need to build up to the big conversation in a slightly foreplay way. So set the scene, maybe arrange a really nice dinner, but say in advance with a text or a little WhatsApp message saying, I've been thinking a lot about our sex life or our intimate life, and I'd really love to talk to you about it. So no accusation, no judgment, but set the scene. You know, this is going to be on the agenda. This is kind of like part of our to-do list. Although you don't phrase it like that because that makes it sound like a chore. But as I say, make sure that it's a time when you're not going to be disturbed by other people, particularly small ones running around, and make sure that you've got each other's undivided attention. And then the third thing, so you've got timing, foreplay, as it were, preamble, but then also listen. So it's all very well you saying your thing. But be prepared to also listen to what comes back, Mm. listen to what your partner wants to say to you, Mm. because it may be that they haven't noticed that there's a problem or they themselves have actually thought long and hard. Yes, there's been a really big problem and I haven't known how to address it. Use that as a way to sort of lead into the conversation that it's not just about you getting something off your chest, but it's actually about listening on the other side as well. Yeah, so true. How do you tell them what you like, what you don't like? Well, the first thing is to be very clear in your own mind by being very comfortable about your own body, because it's much easier to instruct someone or give them a little bit of guidance when you yourself know for definite that this is the thing, this position, this technique, this pressure, really works. This is the thing that either maybe turns you on or it gives you an orgasm. And therefore masturbation is probably the way in which it allows you to be so in tune with your body and so in tune with what works and also what doesn't work. So the first thing is, yeah, really get to know your body really well sort of inside but also out, you know. We have to remember that there are loads of erogenous zones. It doesn't just have to be around the genitalia. It could be that your particular one is behind your earlobe or sort of skin on the inner thigh. And when you're putting moisturiser on yourself, for example, really mindfully pay attention to that so that you can start to recognize oh yeah I really love it when I stroke my own you know shoulder or thigh or something and then again that's extra information that you can give to your partner so that as part of the foreplay they can be doing things like that that really please you or give you pleasure or actively turn you on so get to know yourself first and then sometimes it's about sitting down the two of you and saying Okay, let's play a game. I'm going to write down the three favourite things that I like to do sexually. And you get to do that too. And then you swap papers and then you read what your partner has written and then you start a conversation. So again, you make it a joint enterprise. It's never just about you saying... I'm really bored, I haven't got enough out of this and almost blaming the other person. Mm. You're using it as a collaborative experience to be able to say, what do you like? This is what I like. Hey, what about that? You'd do the same if you were going out for dinner. Yeah. You'd look at the menu and you'd say, oh, I really like the sea bass, but you're a real fan of the lamb, aren't you? And you'd have a conversation Yeah. you to do a similar thing. But also, it's I actually, like the way you
0: say a game, because there's this whole sort of awkward feeling that I've got to sit down and talk about what I like and what I don't. just
1: laugh about it,
0: mate. Sex yeah, is meant You like I oh, it, God, this is a bit awkward, but actually, i got to tell you, I really don't like how you do that. And make it
1: a bit more fun. Yes. Because otherwise, it's quite... Well, hard also, to... it could be quite hurtful. If someone yeah. thinks that they're amazing in bed, and suddenly their partner says after five years, you know what, that thing... I've never liked it. <laughs> I know there's a huge revelation there when so much of our identity is wrapped up in our sexual identity. So tread carefully because you're kind of treading on the dreams of someone else. But also you want the same from them. You want them to respect your feelings and your views. So I think it is about remembering that sex is meant to be fun. It's meant to be playful. And certainly when we first get together with someone, there's a lot of playfulness because it's all about experimentation and it's all about discovery. You don't know what this other person is like or their body is like. Yeah. somehow you need to recapture that yeah. element of playfulness and spontaneity and we'll come into that you know later but it's a good watchword to have that mm. sex is meant to be fun but
0: ultimately if you're not happy you've got to have that conversation you've mm. got to make that happen you've and got to pro- going along feeling like you're not fulfilled and enjoying yourself you've got to get it out there which you know it's I, hard but it's got to be done
1: that's right and I think where a podcast like this is so valuable is it reminds us that actually we have to take our sex life seriously because if we don't nobody else is yeah. really going to and such an intrinsic part of a successful relationship but also as of who we are as an individual in terms of our you know our sexual identity that if we're not being fulfilled that can really undermine who we are and, and how confident we feel talking about communication someone said to me
0: once a sort of tip in parenthood was to go for a walk with your child or lie next to them side by side because actually eyeballing them doesn't always work and can make them feel quite awkward and I found that quite successful with my children. Just sitting here chatting to you, I'm thinking actually, if you go for a walk, you have to look at your partner in the eye. But actually, to go for a walk and look away and make it a bit more casual than a sort of sit down quite a formal thing or lying side by side in bed not when you're about to have sex
1: but you know would you advise that yes bed is really interesting because I think beds really are just for sex and sleep so I don't really want heavy conversations Okay. if you think that it's possible that your conversation might lead to sex there and then then perhaps it might be a reason to have that pillow talk really but I'd be nervous about it just in case the conversation doesn't go quite the right way because you don't want to ever get to a stage where your bed is a battleground or your bed is a place where you're having rows I do like the idea of Going for the walk, or if you know that you and your partner have got quite a long journey and you know, one of you's driving exactly. and one About of you. See, to say, in
0: the car, that's conversations
1: we sometimes my husband and I say we need a road trip. Yeah. Just <laughs> to go and have that opportunity, or you choose a restaurant that's a really long way away and it's gonna yeah. take as long as the traffic isn't a nightmare There's and the no other person's just focusing on, on the traffic. But as you say, just to be in a situation where you can have those conversations, again, means a little bit of forward planning mm. as opposed to randomly catching hold of someone in the bathroom saying, Do you mind if we just have five minutes? But yes, you're trying to find a setting where it actually works mm. so that it doesn't feel too intimidatory.
0: And how good does your relationship have to be to have a good sex life? You know, there are a lot of people that perhaps have problems in their relationship and so they're never going to have great sex because they're not just that well connected. Do you see those two things as intrinsically linked?
1: They are linked because sex is another form of communication with that particular partner but I think we all recognize that there are some relationships that are purely sexual and you can have awesome sex with someone and there's nothing else to the relationship at all so it's very hard to specifically say it's the be-all and end-all of every relationship and it will fluctuate there will be times particularly when children come along or maybe there are work demands elderly parents are kind of preying on your mind there are moments where the sex life can falter and yet you're Relationship remains strong, you remain committed to each other. Having said which, if there is something that isn't quite right in the sexual department, that is often a really big clue that there is something perhaps going wrong in the relationship, which is getting acted out in the bedroom. Either there's some resistance, there's some withdrawing, or you're getting into a bit of a rut. Mm. That could be a sign that something needs to change, not least because you may be leaving your relationship vulnerable to sort of an external threat. And if you do feel
0: like your sex life is in a rut and you want to spice it up, when do you start?
1: There are so many things you can do. But again, some of them might sound a bit intimidating. You know, whenever I start talking about sex toys, I talk about sex toys the whole time. But for other people, that's like a really big step, even though you can buy them now in the high street for not very much money. What you need to do is to try to find some things that make it playful again and make it perhaps spontaneous. So what you could do is you could play the game where you, write down a few of your favorite not even necessarily things you have done, maybe things that you'd heard about that you might want to try. You write them down on a little bit of paper, put them in a hat, your partner does the same thing, maybe you each do three, and then you take it in turns to draw a little piece of paper out of the hat, and that might give you a position. You could even add things like a part of the body, so you say, I'm gonna put neck, I'm gonna put toe, I'm gonna put inner thigh, and then your partner also puts in things like an activity, so stroking, licking, massaging, and you put all of that in a hat, And then you individually start taking little bits out. And the only thing is you have to kind of commit to doing whatever comes out of the hat. So that's one quite fun, cheap way. You don't even have to buy any gadgets for that. You might ask yourself, are we the kinds of people who have sex in exactly the same place on the same day of the week at the same time? You know, there's this little routine which in itself can be very comforting and can be very bonding for a couple. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking to refresh it, simply change the venue you know choose a different room choose a different time of day and also maybe again set up that anticipation sex happens a lot in our head before it happens physically so again if you've got somebody who goes away to work during the day or if you're the one that's out of the house start sending each other flirty little messages to say oh I was thinking about doing something quite nice at eight o'clock I wonder if you would be up for that and then they get that message and they think that's really quite fun and you start a little sort of flirty conversation with someone that you've known for a really long time but it's amazing how heartwarming that can be it can make you feel really loved and really noticed Mm -hmm. another tip is again this idea that you shake up the routine there are some gadgets now whereby you can wear very discreet products kind of hooked to your underwear and they can be synced to your partner's mobile phone and they can be made to vibrate at various um, moments so you could be sitting there in the next room you know later today marking up a document or whatever and you know looking at some photos and suddenly your little gadget starts to vibrate and what you and no one else knows is that your partner's thinking about you and they've just decided to make that vibrate and that level of naughtiness that you're kind of building back into your relationship such as you would have in those early days when maybe nobody even Knew you were going out
0: and if naughtiness is just not who you are
1: can you change that sometimes it's about that mental attitude of why do i not like naughtiness is it because it's a bad thing will i be seen as a not a good girl there can sometimes be some resistance around fully embracing a very sexual persona And I think we do still have to work quite hard at that. You only have to see how some of the conversations went around Love Island this year in terms of some of the girls being quite sexually out there and the backlash that they got for that but I think there are other things that you can do that aren't necessarily even about penetrative sex it could be about saying okay do we need to have more hand-holding in our relationship do we need to have maybe a few more massages or need, I always find I'm the one doing the dishes can I ask my partner that we could do it and then we just start having a nice little chat together yeah. as you wash I dry we're just chatting it's amazing what different couples create for themselves that's why again you need to talk about it what are your individual levels of intimacy mm. what do you consider? Consider to be a really powerful driver.
0: And I remember you saying that in another interview, it was just about the physical touch. You said you can't expect to have this great sex but never touch at any other point in your relationship. Yes. So you do need to be, you know, whether that's holding hands or cuddling or, or someone just a kiss coming that in. doesn't lead to sex or, yeah, putting their arm around you. But there's got to be some physical connection the rest of the
1: time. That skin-on-skin skin contact mm. and the sort of feel-good endorphins that are released just through that that's why hugs are so important and people who are perhaps you know separated or bereaved it's one of the things they miss the most is just that physical intimacy as you say that doesn't have to lead to sex and that's also quite useful if your libido is a mismatch because what often happens is the person whose libido is less or lower often thinks oh my goodness well you know if I just touch someone they're just going to expect sex and I don't want to go there and then it all becomes (laughs) really complicated but you're not saying no to intimacy personally per se or yeah. full stop you just want to say no I don't want it to actually lead to this thing yeah. necessarily again we have seen that in the media that actually what is consent we've talked a lot about it in terms of non-intimate relationships people who don't know each other very well but when you've been in a relationship with someone for some time you still have to navigate that what are the consensual boundaries in this relationship is it okay for me to just massage you on a daily basis without feeling obliged to always yeah. then get into bed with you and I think as well as that conversation that you've got to have, I think if you
0: are unhappy about your sex life or your lack of sex, that's a really good place to start, isn't it? Just by being a bit more tactile, having a bit more skin-to-skin time. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully that will build up and you'll feel closer and then you'll want the sex, you
1: know? Because I think what happens in a lot of relationships is that a lot of resentment builds up. Let's say we're talking specifically about heterosexual relationships here, where you have often a woman thinking he only seems to get in touch with me when he wants sex. Mm. Whereas I would actually like more intimacy in lots of other ways, even if it's just giving me a hug as we're standing in the supermarket queue together. Something that reminds me and makes me feel special, connected, remembered validated and it's a physical thing as well I think
0: that's such good advice what about if it's the other way around and you're wanting the sex and they're not quite a lot of people said my husband doesn't want sex anymore how do I get him interested Mm. again how do I
1: get him to initiate it I think again it's going to have to be through the spoken word first because what I find in many of the clients that I've worked with is that a woman will come to me having exhausted what they think are all the options, which include dressing up in particular ways, trying to you know, think of all the different role play they could go through, should they suggest the most outlandish positions, they're trying to see their way into a male brain, what are they after? And invariably, the the disinterest in sex is not about sex. It's usually about something else, either a very particular stressor, let's say a work stress, or something that threatens the man's idea of masculinity, or it's actually to do with physical performance, which in itself can also threaten their idea of masculinity, but things like premature ejaculation or an inability to maintain an erection. And if you are in a relationship with a man who is going through any of those, but they can't talk to you about it what you might find therefore is that they're withdrawing from sex and you don't know why so you have to go back to real basics which is to talk about in really gentle terms about the fact that you're not having as much sex maybe as you used to or as you would like to is there anything they'd like to talk about is there anything that they could suggest that they might want you to do and have the conversation so that it's very non-judgmental and hopefully therefore they will then open up So let's say it's one of those things, it's either a really difficult work stress, that's obviously something you can approach in a psychological way as opposed to a purely sexual way. If it's about an erectile performance issue, then there are lots of ways around that. There's either the things that you can do as a partner, or there are conversations that they might want to have with their GP, or there are other tests if there's something more serious. But it's all about getting the person to see there are ways through this. Because I think what men often do is they close down And the first sign that anything's wrong is no sex happening. And then it starts to become a really big problem. Whereas if you break it down and say, let's have a gentle conversation. Is there anything I can do? Anything you want to talk about? And then little building blocks of how to address Mm it. So that's sort of saying this
0: comes down to the mental state that they're in at the moment. If they're just lazy and it's fizzled out, can you get
1: it back? You can definitely give it a go, obviously there are techniques, there are all the things that we've talked about already about, you know, shaking up the routine, trying to suggest playful things, maybe even introducing sex toys, but if you really find that you're in a relationship with someone who is just actively not interested in in working on that aspect of your relationship then you probably need to start some quite serious conversations about where is this relationship going because you are in as much right to have a fulfilled sex life as anybody else you may need to have couples counseling you yourself may need to have some therapy to try to process Mm. something that as I say is probably a symptom of a bigger problem yeah. in a marriage. that I
0: think there probably are, though, couples, aren't there, that neither of them really want it and they're quite happy. As a long
1: as both but it people be... are on the same yeah, page, exactly. and certainly the older you get and the more, you know, things that come into a relationship, couples can get to the point where they think, actually, you know, once a fortnight is fine or once a month or... I'm very happy not doing it because what I really value is the companionship and we've got lots of tactility anyway. As long as both parties are completely on the same page, I'm happy because yeah. it sounds like they've got a really great relationship. But you don't want one resenting the other. If, and that's it's, just if there's an imbalance to, yeah. and if sex is being weaponized in this way, that things aren't being addressed And it's all being acted out of sex being withheld or sex being forced on, which of course should never happen, but sometimes does happen. That's the time for even more serious conversations. Quite. Someone said, how can you enjoy sex again if your partner's been unfaithful?
0: You decided to press on.
1: It's really hard. I was asked that question so many times that I ended up doing a TED talk. Really? Yes. How do I stay in a relationship with someone who's betrayed me?
0: And how can you enjoy that most intimate moment
1: when all you can probably think about
0: is that they've had that intimate moment with someone mm-hmm. else i
1: mean yes because as you say some betrayals include a relationship where sex was part of it not all but some i think that's where you have to work on the problem in two ways you have to work on things as a couple and then you also have to do your own work on yourself if you have made a commitment and i'm not suggesting this is something you do overnight but if eventually you have got to the point where you think yes i can definitely stay You may have to do some private therapy work on processing what it feels like that they may or may not have been intimate with someone else. I certainly wouldn't want you to kind of wound yourself by constantly asking for all the details. Some people want that information. You might need that information in order to put that distance between the two of you and say, right, it's over. But if you have decided that you're going to get back together, one of the things is about saying, we are now back together almost as a new couple. And in some ways, it's a bit like saying, before we got together, my partner did have people and now it's a bit like saying, okay, so now we're going to have a completely new relationship, in which case I'm going to have to accept that they maybe did sleep with other people before they met me in the same way as I may have slept with other people before I met them. But it is about saying, right, from now on, I am. To, it is just a clean slate. And goodness me, I'm not saying that it's easy to do. It. I've had too many people come to me and say, I've tried that and it's really hard. It's definitely doable. I think it's about working out the reasons why you're staying. And if you weigh that up and say, the reason I'm staying are for these really important, healthy reasons. And occasionally I'm going to have those moments, in which case I'm going to have to do a lot of work on myself to say, just put those thoughts aside. But it takes a lot of time. Let's talk about
0: confidence.
1: A lot of people said, I'm not confident,
0: especially when it comes to my body in the bedroom. I don't feel sexy. I feel
1: quite prudish two slightly different things I always think the prudery I think is usually a function of things that have happened to us earlier in life so whether that's because we were raised in a family where sex was not talked about yeah. or it was regarded as dirty or you know good girls don't do that kind of thing or we had really messed up sex education because sex education is pretty useless in this country even now so imagine what it was like when we were at school or maybe you have a faith where it's hard for you to reconcile some of your desires with some of the teaching that you feel really passionate about about that's the moment where you have to do some work on yourself and process some of the thoughts and feelings that you had I'm not suggesting that everybody has to swing from the chandeliers the whole time and and run around in skimpy clothing if that's not what they feel comfortable doing you must only I cannot stress this enough you must only ever do things sexually that you feel comfortable with and in an ideal world hopefully you'd be with a partner who would understand that and would help you on that journey Mm -hmm. but if you do want To be a bit more adventurous. And you do want to be a bit sexier, but you struggle with it. Yes. So the next part of your question was about body positivity and also that idea of, just simply body confidence. We can have all sorts of things happen to us or none. And we might just not feel confident in our own skin, particularly because of images that we see in the media or expectations that we think our partner might have about ourselves. Or we have gone through life changes, maybe having a baby or having a hysterectomy or going through the menopause, all of those things genuinely affect our body they change our body and we may have an emotional response to those changes which of course we couldn't control but I think one of the loveliest things to do is to sit with your partner and again do it together so there's less pressure just on you you start to write down all the wonderful things you like about your partner's body and they are doing the same thing to you And then you swap papers and you start to read the things that they have written about you. The idea is, again, you've got this other person's idea of your body to start to chip away at that negative thinking that you've got in your mind. So it's a little exercise that allows you to start to remember, Okay, actually, what my partner really loves are my boobs or they really love feel of me when they're inside me or they really love my face they think my face is beautiful little things for you to start to hold on to sexually are about the ways in which you can start to get your confidence back and insecurity
0: on body parts I mean that's not going to go away just because your partner says He loves your butt, but yet you've got a real complex about it.
1: What do you do, turn the lights off? It's so important for you to start to really work on your own insecurities. It's great if your partner thinks you're fabulous, but it doesn't often chip away at those deeper insecurities. So you have to do that work on yourself. And also, sometimes it isn't even about the body. When I was giving you that example of the game where you write down the lovely things about their body and they write the lovely things down as well, about your body, it's also about saying, could you write down some of the clothes in my wardrobe that you really love to see me in? Because sometimes it's just nice knowing that if I wore a particular dress or a particular pair of jeans, if I know that when I wear that, that actually my partner is thinking, oh, wow, I love it when they wear that. That can do a lot, again, Mm -hmm. for our confidence. So, again, that two-way street of communication can be really, really helpful. Mm -hmm. If it's a weight issue, I mean, this is the other really interesting thing. We are not our weight. It shouldn't really matter what our weight is. But nevertheless, a lot of people believe that they feel better about themselves when they're a particular weight or perhaps if they've lost baby weight or if they're going through the menopause if only I could get back to the you know the figure that I had before so I think it's behoven on us to at least explore issues around diet and issues around exercise so that we can at least say well I'm doing my best to be the healthiest I can be and I'm not trying to say we've all got to get to the gym and we've all got to have size eight bodies because that's just not going to work But we owe it to ourselves to be healthy at least. Mm -hmm. And having a good diet and taking moderate exercise is all part of that. Mm. You know, you want to be alive and you want to be vital for your family and your partner. But you owe it to yourself just as much. Mm. It's true. You don't think that
0: sort of an unhealthy lifestyle is going to be impacting your sex life?
1: I can remember people calling into my show, men, saying, I don't know what to do about this, but basically my wife has given birth to you know several children who i love and i love my wife but she has also physically let herself go and i simply don't fancy her mm. and that is the reality of the situation now you know he's is entitled to say i no longer fancy my wife as she's entitled to say hang on a minute i've just pushed out huge you know turkey sized objects out of my vagina forgive me if i kind of don't feel like the gym right now yeah. <laughs> right you know exactly and i really haven't got the time or the energy to go to the gym three times a week to satisfy you. So there's a balance there. Mm. But ultimately, confidence is a very subtle thing. It's largely what the narratives that we tell ourselves, Mm. and they're the scripts we have to rewrite. And the added bonus of that is that actually it can bring a lot of really nice fizzy energy to the relationship.
0: Mm. But I think the point of
1: ultimately taking pride in yourself
0: in your physical
1: health is really key it isn't just about sex you know if you were in a relationship with someone who was an alcoholic or a drug addict or was behaving in such a way that was really compromising their health what they looked like how they smelled you would start to say something you would say you've got to sort this out for a whole variety of reasons ultimately it's about you loving yourself enough Mm. that you can do all these things and the knock-on effect Mm. is that your sex life will be improved as a result Mm. we're saying you know general health and well-being look after yourself you don't prioritize that. if you don't prioritize yourself health and I see too many women who prioritize their children and their partner and how amazing is that and then their work and it's like they are the bottom of the list mm. and they long to have the time and the energy and maybe the money for that but when they don't, they also resent that, and I think the first person they take that resentment out on is themselves. Mm-hmm. We need to help women rewrite that script Quite. because they're the ones making it all happen. If you are not in a good place, yeah, then nothing no else, else works. Yeah. So it is like that mantra on the aeroplane: you know, you must put your oxygen mask on yourself first. Otherwise, you can't help other people. Similarly, for your sex life, you have to love your body first. You have to nourish it, replenish the oils with fabulous moisturizer and eat good food and take moderate exercise. Do all of those things. You will start to feel better Mm. about it. And even that confidence is sexy. Just
0: talking about it, you're like, yes, self-care needs to come first. And that will impact your sex life. Make you appreciate yourself more. Make you feel sexier. Yeah. Hopefully make you more excited about it. What if you are in a really long-term relationship and I mean, we've touched on it a bit. You want to spice things up. You're doing the same things. Not very often. I mean, you've talked about different times of day. You've talked about different locations. You've touched on toys. There's a few more questions on toys to come. <laughs> later on. But what do you do? How do you make
1: it exciting again? Well, part of it, I think, has to be around the anticipation you want to recreate those sort of flutters, those moments of thinking, oh, something nice is going to happen, so that you create that build-up partly through texting you know tech is available for us to communicate with people and get those little vibes going at the beginning of the day but so, actually in the do so my argument would be you have to have the foreplay first yes. you wouldn't expect me just to say right quick penis and vagina go for it no if we've got the little
0: button Gadget attached on your, to our on pants, your pants and you're texting and you're flirting and you've scheduled it or you haven't you know however yep. you're saying right tonight's the night yes you're now there wherever your new location is how are you making the actual Actual physical sex. Enjoyable
1: constantly, and not just the same. well, you are constantly trying to make that connection with your partner. So you mentioned eye to eye contact earlier. Tantric sex makes a lot of that sort of intimate eye gazing connection. If you're with your partner, start with the eyes, start to sort of gaze at each other in that moment, and then gradually allow your gaze to travel over them, allow their gaze to travel over you. You don't even have to do anything at all, just use that gaze real connection then another thing you can do is literally stand and hug so tightly that you can start to feel each other's heartbeat again you've got that fantastic skin on skin connection I'm not asking you to do anything dramatic or exertion led or, you know, anything that you might think, oh, but I'm a bit too old for that. But standing, hugging and really feeling their body touching you wherever it touches is, again, getting you reconnected with their body and their skin. And it's amazing how few people do that because you just think, oh, no, well, we just sort of touch in various places, but really try and work out how much more skin of his or hers you could be touching and then the next thing is to talk about who's going to initiate it. So you might get to a situation where you take it in turn. So I'm going to be the one that's going to stroke you or you're going to be the one that strokes me. But take it really slow. Try to delay penetration and orgasm and ejaculation for as long as possible. And as I say, it, that build up, you're trying to delay everything so that when you do finally get around to it, you almost can't stop. How do you really let go?
0: Are there any techniques that you suggest for women that struggle to let go and to switch off and just to surrender to the moment?
1: That's where I always still think that the foreplay is vital because it gives you that warm-up time. I mean, you have to remember that it takes... A woman about twenty to thirty minutes to become sufficiently aroused for an orgasm to take place, so a lot of women have sex quickly and then wonder why they don 't have a great orgasm so again, if you allow for the intimacy the foreplay to happen, that gives you more time. You can do your to do list in the first two, three, four, five, six minutes, but after about seven or eight minutes you will find that you're more in the flow of it. So give
0: it time, don't rush it. Definitely
1: give it time, don't rush it. But at the same time, it's a bit like that exercise I talked about in terms of getting the skin-on-skin contact where you're hugging each other. The point about that is that you're really in the moment there. You're in the now of trying to really feel the skin being touched on your skin. The way to get out of your head is to really focus on your body. What's happening, what you're feeling, what the speed is, What the textures? Can you hear anything? What are the smells? Really pay attention to those five senses as a way of getting out of your head. So you're saying
0: it always needs to be a long thing, or is there a place? There's definitely a place for a quickie,
1: particularly if you're juggling lots of other commitments. You know, you've got kids for some reason you know that the kids are now down for 20 minutes or, you know, granny's arrived and they're doing something, you have to take advantage of those moments, definitely. But The first thing you have to buy if you're a new parent is a lock on the door. You have to prioritise your sex life and you have to be able to say to yourself and to anybody else who inhabits that house, you know, there is mummy and daddy time and the lock goes on the door. And it's actually so much fun to have naughty quick and fast sex. It feels like you're in a movie. It feels like you've maybe just met this person. And don't forget, you can also do some role play around that. You can often in advance say, right, what we're going to do is we're going to pretend that actually I've just met you in a bar. And those kinds of little games, those little fantasies can be enough to just shake you out of your rut or as you say give you that impetus to have quick and dirty sex which is fantastic. And on that subject spontaneity you feel like spontaneity is key then. It's really key because it's what used to happen when we first got together with someone. I mean the number of times you would have actually had sex really quickly. You need to reintroduce that kind of spontaneity. It may take longer for both of you to warm up and therefore the actual action of quick sex might take a little bit longer but the intent is there. The intention of grabbing the moment it's just so much fun and that's again it's that little private secret world that you've entered together again Mm. when the two of you are having quick naughty sex nobody else knows and there's something very enticing about just that and frequency is there a
0: number if you're in a relationship and you're only having sex this often should there be alarm bells going
1: there is definitely no right number but there is a right number for the couple. And if one of you is thinking, I "I so really love it when it was six times a week and the other person is thinking, God, I'm so glad it's never six times a week. If there's a mismatch there, then that's something that needs to be talked about. The big fantasy is that everybody else is having sex all the time and you are the only couple that are rubbing along maybe, you know, once a fortnight or once a week or whatever. And that actually it's about what works for you as the couple. Let's talk about the sex itself.
0: Let's start off with positions, the best positions to increase your chances of an orgasm.
1: A lot of sex happens in our head, which is why masturbation is so great because you can actually have that knowledge in your mind as to what actually works for you, whether it's a rhythm, whether it is a position, lying on your side, lying on your back, whether it's a certain speed, where your clitoris needs to be stimulated, whether you're much better once there is some penetration, so maybe using sex toys. Once you know that, you'll know what works for you. So for some women, they only have an orgasm when they're on top. For some women, they have to be in the missionary position. For some women, they'll never have an orgasm from penetrative sex. They maybe need to do it themselves. All of that is normal. Everything is normal, but you have to work out for yourself what works best. Now, this can be a bit scary, but I've come across women who've never had orgasm with certain partners and they think that it's them and then they move on to another partner and they have an orgasm straight away. So sometimes it's about the relationship and it may well be that you're not relaxed in this relationship, you're not relaxed when you have sex, maybe it's your first relationship and you just haven't really got into the rhythm of it yet or maybe you're in a relationship where there are other things that are making you uncomfortable or you don't feel safe, your body is possibly telling you something so there are lots of ways in which that question can be answered.
0: And if you want to have more orgasms through
1: penetration, what do you suggest people do? So there are a couple of things. One question would be to ask, you know, what is the problem? What's the resistance? So for example, some women suffer from something called vaginismus, which is where your muscles of your vagina involuntarily tighten and it makes penetration difficult or sometimes even impossible. If that's the situation that you're in, then certainly talk to your GP about that. And also, because many of these women will have used a lot of lubricant, they will have used lots of other techniques and it still isn't working. So that would be something that you'd need to talk either to a therapist or to a GP about. And also talk to your partner. Are there ways in which perhaps they could use their finger, use lots of lube? Are there ways in which your resistance is psychological rather than purely biological? You need to try and work that out. Again, I think if you can masturbate more and work out how to bring yourself to orgasm, there will be much less pressure on you worrying about whether your partner is able to do it as well. But for some women, it's much better for them if their clitoris is stimulated and the labia as well, as opposed to an actual penis or a toy going in there. Know what works for your body and you work with your partner to identify the best ways for that if you are just simply unable to have an orgasm as a result of penile penetration then again explore whether that's because the rhythm isn't quite right so for example women actually do quite like a very regular rhythm once the waves of the orgasm are building up what you find is that you want a very consistent rhythm. And what often happens is the partner senses that you're having an orgasm and often stops. I mean, that's the worst thing and you're Don't lying there stop. saying keep going. So again, understand the structure of your own orgasms in order to be able to better educate your partner so that when you're both having sex together, yeah. you can say, okay, I, and this is the moment where I need you to just literally keep going, same rhythm, same pressure we're going to be in this position. The problem is when I talk like this, it makes it sound really clinical and technical and everybody just wants it to be really romantic and (laughs) for it to happen very naturally and organically. But until you can get to that point, you might have to do a little bit more basic work by saying, "Yep, so we do this and then, yeah, just keep going at that particular rhythm, that particular speed. And then when I get to this bit and often the orgasm itself ripples for a very long time, if your partner starts to understand that, then they can help you continue. continue the orgasm but you can't communicate what you don't know about yourself you've talked about the build-up
0: Someone said, what foreplay is good for creating build-up?
1: All foreplay, <laughs> any foreplay. In fact, there should always be foreplay, apart from the quickie, obviously. But it is a bit worrying. A lot of women do say, there just isn't any. You know, it's basically a quick little grope of my boob and then that's it. And men think that that's enough. What will people need to know? is that, again, it takes about 20 minutes for a woman to be kind of warmed up nicely. And whether that's through stroking, compliments, gazing into your eye, hair stroking, toe sucking, whatever works. There needs to be a little bit more of activity in that intimate space. Now, some people really like the whole role-play thing, get me a feather boa, you know, I'm going to pretend that I'm going to do this, I'm a Chippendale, a fireman, that can be quite arousing. But if you think of your sexual activity as as a space, you want to come into the space and have this really lovely experience where you start to get to know each other, almost as if every encounter is a brand new encounter. And in terms of what needs to happen, it's just about that lovely idea that you, You are being cherished and adored. You're hopefully doing the same thing for your partner as well. But sex as a form of worship, I think it's even said in the wedding vows, you know, with my body, I thee worship, that there's some adoration going on of you as an individual, you as a person in this unit, and you as your body. All of that needs to be acknowledged. And that, I think, often builds up to the best Mm. sex. Okay, lots of foreplay. We had quite a lot of questions on how to give a good blowjob and how to give a good handjob. Brilliant. So again, lots of communication because we're not born knowing quite what works for our partner. So sometimes it is about sitting together and saying, OK, can you show me what you do when you're masturbating? What are you actually doing? You know, where in the shaft are you actually placing your hand? And does your second hand come into it at all? And again, what is the rhythm? What is the speed? And when does it change? Because there will be changes. And if you can start to mimic something that clearly works already for your partner, then you're in. It doesn't really matter what you've done with other people. The key is to make it really work for them. And also it's that lovely moment of, I want to know all about you. I want to know what works for you as opposed to all these other people that I've known in my past. So it makes it feel very special. So that would be for the hand job. And also you need to ask About things like, you know, other extra things that I could do. So some men are super sensitive about their testicles they don't want those to be touched at all other men are very happy for that or they quite enjoy you also playing around with their anus that might also encourage them to have better orgasm so again find out that information don't assume that just because your previous partner loved you sticking your finger up their bum that actually your next partner does because they really might not and that could be the end of a beautiful relationship with a blowjob similar thing but you can actually go for it more on your own instincts this time again that combination of some variety variety and naughtiness so when I say naughtiness I mean doing something different something they're not expecting combined with once you know you've got a particular rhythm going to not really deviate from that too much unless the game is to bring them to the point of orgasm and then to stop and start again which of course is perfectly feasible but you need to know that that's what's probably going to happen you might actually end up stopping something they'll not ejaculate and then you start again and, and maybe that is part of the game maybe you want to give them a blowjob for three hours but Frankly, that is that can actually be really quite tiring (laughs) on your jaw. So it is about, as they always say, you know, remember that you've got teeth and don't use them. Um, Try to be as wet as possible. And whether that means having some water beside you, a little bit of wine or you might want to think about different sensations. So you might want to put some, you know, a little bit of soft ice cream on your tongue so that the next time you go down, there's a different sensation because it's quite cold different things that you can do with your tongue. You kind of think of it like a big ice cream. You're either doing a really big lick of the ice cream or you're doing like little fluttery ripples with your tongue. And your tongue is really mobile. We don't really think about what our tongue is capable of, but given how it changes in order to speak it's got the most incredible amount of mobility so that you can actually use that to play around a lot with the penis and give lots of excitement. And then again, just in terms of how much of the shaft you take in, that's a personal preference, but sometimes a man can feel really enveloped if you go right down to the base of the shaft. Psychologically, that can make them feel really quite connected to you.
0: Very thorough masterclass on blowjobs and hand jobs. From blowjobs to toys. What toys do you recommend women and men to use together?
1: So I think vibrators can be quite useful, but they can sometimes feel quite threatening for a man. So if a man knows that you've got a vibrator, they can start to feel a bit emasculated. So if you use a vibrator, it's often a good way of saying, well, I want you to use this. On me, and again, you know, not just internally, but just to sort of feel the vibrations on other parts of your body around the genitalia or on the thighs. But again, use it as a bonding tool rather than as a sign that you could very easily replace them at any moment and they should really watch out. The tech one I still think is fascinating because tech has just suddenly realised that this is going to be a really good way of harnessing a new market where, as I said, you can have toys that are remotely controlled by your partner's tech, whether that's their mobile phone or whatever. I'm assuming you can also get kind of like Siri and Alexa to say, you know, just start that thing (laughs) vibrating in the bathroom. Butt plugs can also be quite entertaining because some people have an idea that a finger in the anus can be weird, but a butt plug isn't. And you just have to remember that there are a lot of nerve endings at that part of the body. So it can be a very arousing experience to have something placed in your anus. Particularly as you're about to orgasm, it can increase the intensity of your orgasm. have penis rings, so you have something that slides onto the penis so that when they are inside you, other parts of your genitalia are being stimulated at the same time. So that can make the man feel very powerful and you get this extra kind of, you've got the penetration but you've also got the clitoral stimulation going on at the same time, depending on where the cock ring is placed. And also that the thing to say about sex toys is they now look so beautiful. They are made of such beautiful materials now. And also just for men and women to experiment with the different speeds and the different vibrations, the different pulses. Again, it makes you laugh. It's a way of reconnecting and establishing laughter in the bedroom. So you recommend them? Hugely, yeah. I just think they're hilarious. They'll never really be a great replacement for the human body. But as a way of making you laugh together, I think that's almost probably their greatest achievement. (laughs) Let's talk about
0: libidos. I mean, we've talked about flirting and spicing it up and being more confident. I mean, presumably all those things, if you can sort those things out and work on those things, that's going to improve your libido. But if there's something more functionally wrong with your libido, what do you advise people do?
1: Well, there are a couple of things. And obviously, wearing my psychotherapy hat, I'd always be wanting to check out what psychological resistance is at work. So for some people, there will be a proper hormonal reason to a crashed libido it could be the menopause the manopause it could be after childbirth which i know is another topic we're going to come yeah. on to but there could be some proper biological reasons as to why your libido is wobbly And other mineral deficiencies, which is why, you know, having a quick blood test with the GP to eliminate any kind of, you know, maybe you've got an iron deficiency. Maybe that's just the thing that's making you feel hugely tired and therefore not really up to par sexually. It could be that simple. Similarly, with a man, you'd want to just test testosterone levels. Well, any hormone levels, actually. And for women, you know, there's testosterone in females as well. You just want to make sure that there isn't something that could be easily remedied by some supplements or some boosters or, uh, you know, anything like that. And are there supplements and boosters that you would advise lots of women take? I'm not a doctor. I wouldn't want to do that. I would definitely say a quick blood test just to check. And funnily enough, iron deficiency, just because it makes us feel so depleted is a really easy thing to catch and can really change a lot of situations and also I think if you go to your gp and you say the reason I want you to give me this blood test is because I have noticed that my libido is not what it was or my partner's libido is not what it was and we just want to rule out any kind of deficiencies but yes you know, obviously you can have testosterone estrogen progesterone you can have all sorts of patches tablets gels your gp will be able to advise you on that or a sexual health clinic if you're worried about talking to your GP who has maybe known you since childhood or maybe you don't want to have that kind of conversation, go to a sexual health clinic and start to have a conversation there. So those are sort of very physiological things that may be causing your libido to fluctuate and the most common is the sort of midlife change of menopause and menopause, where you've got such a shift in hormonal balances that one big side effect that a lot of women talk about is a loss of libido. So you know there are obviously things that can be done whether those are through a naturopath more holistic maybe HRT some women can't take HRT so there are other options to talk to your GP about but that as I say would be the physiological way of checking that psychologically requires a little bit more lateral thinking so some people their libido crashes because they feel unconfident they feel useless they feel worthless and then that really starts to crush their spirit or it could be that there is a psychological resistance, there may be resentments around how the relationship has evolved, maybe you feel that your partner isn't pulling their weight in the relationship or even just around the house, maybe you feel that everything falls on your shoulders, and you start to feel that you know the last thing you want to do is to be having sex, and then lo and behold your libido comes across as quite crushed or ruptured but it might actually not be anything hormonal it could actually be more psychological
0: and then really that's a communication thing again isn't it
1: yes but also communication with yourself Mm -hmm. pay attention to what you're not telling yourself
0: okay premature ejaculations erectile dysfunction what do you do about that
1: so premature ejaculation again let's assume that all other areas have been looked at either by going to talk to a gp or checking that there is no kind of psychological resistance there are certainly some things you can do in the moment you and your partner so if you're male you can try to resolve your premature ejaculation by, it's called the stop release method. You masturbate for as far as you go just to the point of ejaculation and then you stop and then you start again and then you stop and you do this several times, maybe several times during the course of a day or you do it several times over the course of a couple of weeks so that you gain mastery over your own ejaculatory process building the... up muscles in the gym yes exactly so in a way that's your way of helping yourself in the bedroom if you are minded to help get your partner to help you have a similar thing which is you start having sex and you have an erection and if you feel you're about to have an ejaculation you get your partner to take their thumb and forefinger and sort of clasp it around the base of your penis. To sort of delay the ejaculation. And that stops it. And that can then stop it. But again, what that also does is it's like the two of you working towards a joint enterprise rather than the man feeling that they have to do it all on their own. It's quite hard to do because that means you sort of leaping forward. And it also requires that some of the positions you're doing it in have to be quite straightforward so that you can actually reach out for the penis at that point. But that's another way of delaying the ejaculation. Erectile dysfunction. So there are many reasons why that could be the case. It could be an age thing, so in terms of the menopause, and that in itself could be because of the physiological issues, or it could be psychological, getting older, feeling unworthy. But if it's something that is happening to a man much younger, I'd say kind of pre-45, Then you might be looking at something that's a little bit more psychological, particularly if it's a very late onset, if it's kind of only happened over the last few years or last few months. Then I would want to try to explore, Okay, what's changed? Have there been some differences? Have you just had children? Have you just been promoted? Have your parents just died? You know, what big life changes have been going on? Because that can all affect a man's inability to either get or maintain an erection. But if it's even earlier than that, and that is obviously going to be very unusual, again, quick trip to the GP just to check that there's no physical impairment, that nothing that can be corrected there. And, you know, sometimes there are physical things that may need to be sorted out. So you want to kind of put that to one side. You want to make sure that that's been addressed. And sometimes it's about recognising that sex doesn't just have to be about penetration so whilst I completely acknowledge that in an ideal world couples will want it sometimes it's also very useful to take the pressure off so that you as a couple experiment with lots of different ways of having sex so that it isn't always about penetration and of course when that starts to be an issue is when couples are trying for a baby and they're saying we've got to have penetrative sex here and that can start to become a really big problem Mm. but if you can also look at the bigger picture if the time is right to say okay well let's not worry too much about the fact that you can't keep or maintain an erection and don't forget there are you know tablets out there that men can take they don't work for everybody that's the interesting thing but you know if you can eliminate all of those other options one other thing is to say okay right well we're going to say it's not all about the penetration there are loads of other things we can do you've alluded to viagra female viagra is something we hear about you're shaking your head yeah. uh, tell us about that your views on that As a product researched in america doesn't actually have that much research around it it sounds like it ought to work because you know the clitoris being stimulated in terms of being engorged with blood during arousal is very similar to you know what happens with the penis but there just isn't enough research out there to show that it actually works because it's not quite the same physiological thing that has to happen so no I wouldn't advise that because you know you can't even buy it here you have to buy it online you don't know what you're getting you don't know what's in it It's just not worth even going there.
0: Let's talk about sex after childbirth. The pain levels, how to get back into it. The sort of anxiety I think people build up about the first time having sex after a child. Lots to cover here.
1: Lots to cover, but really important because it's very easy to let it slide. Mm. And before you know it, you haven't had sex for a year. And both of you are a little bit conscious of that and disappointed, Mm. but also not quite sure what to do. So the first thing to say is, it's certainly with a normal vaginal delivery, you're looking at probably having sex only after the first four to six weeks, and that's assuming you haven't had any kind of minor surgery. And that's really more to do with the fact that you might be quite dry. There's an increased risk of infection and soreness and discomfort. And also, I think it's nature's way of saying just focus on this other little person just for the first four to six weeks. Yeah. But re-establishing an intimate connection to remind yourselves that you are a couple first and parents second, which is is for a lot of people not where they're at they tend to think of themselves no no we're parents now no, and this is the so most, important this yeah. is the, and it is important your this child cannot survive without you but your child will survive while you're having sex it's okay and you have to re-establish that connection now the key thing is as I said earlier, in terms of um, a bit like premature ejaculation and erectile dysfunction, you don't have to desperately try and have penetrative sex as your first sexual encounter Quite. post-baby. Mm. It could just be all the other lovely stuff. And of course, the chances are, if you do that for the next six weeks, by the time you get down to it, you are so gagging for it. It's <laughs> going to be brilliant. But it is about reconnecting as adults and non-mummy and daddy. And I know this is going to sound a bit weird, but try not to make it childish. Try not to use sort of baby language but kind of get back to being and dare I say it quite raunchy people again I'm not saying reverse cowgirl in the first position that you try but just remember that you're sexual creatures and that you really love each other on a sexual level but it's about taking it slow lots of lube to hand maybe even a couple of towels around because you never know what's going to come it's just preparing for it so that it's not this random quick we would better snatch this 10 minutes build up to it Mm. so that you know you're both ready for it Mm. and don't build it into some great big thing and leave it you know i think it's one of those things you sort of gotta get it over with funnily enough i think you're absolutely right that's why i think the four to six weeks thing is quite interesting because people leave it and leave it and even it becomes this
0: beast this elephant in the room i've
1: heard a lot of people say We decided to leave it three months. But by three months, we were already in such a groove of not having sex Mm. that we didn't have it. Mm. And that's really sad. So actually, I think four to six weeks thing is about saying, right, we're not going to go full bore penetrations, you know, swinging from the chandeliers type activities, but we're going to take it slow. But we are going to be intimate.
0: Very important. You've got to prioritize yourselves at those times. Mm. There's a lot of pressure on you as a couple.
1: And also, you become the center of attention and everybody comes, you know, lots of relatives, lots of friends. You've got to show a face to them that you are back as sort of grown-ups again. So sometimes it might be about asking a trusted friend or I don't know how well one would know one's in-laws or the grandparents To take the baby away for an afternoon so that you can actually get intimate.
0: There's a good book I read which said if there's ever a time to prioritise date nights, it's after you've had a child. Yeah, You don't need to have any sex to start with, but you just need to schedule some time for the two of you to reconnect. I
1: think it has to be absolutely sacrosanct. There has to be a date night probably after two or three weeks. There must be somebody that you could just leave your baby with so that you can get used to not being totally baby-oriented.
0: And how do you feel about scheduling sex? It's something we've talked about here a bit, actually. If it's the only way it's going to happen, yes, it's not spontaneous, but do you think it's better you schedule it than you don't do it at all?
1: Yes. In short answer, it's better to schedule it than not have it at all. But there are ways and means of scheduling, and this touches onto something to do with IVF, I think, a lot, where if people are trying for a baby sex can start to become incredibly mechanical and very spreadsheet oriented and mm. takes all of the romance out of it but it doesn't have to be like that you can still know when your fertile days are and build up to it and actually make it a really big exciting deal it's going to be a fun so think, old week it's going to be the most amazing thing because you know at 3 30 on thursday when you've told your boss that you're going out for whatever but in fact you're coming home to do this thing because it has to be at this time nevertheless we can build around that and turn it into this really fun thing so that it isn't becoming a chore. Now I've worked with people who are on kind of round nine, ten, eleven of IVF where it's a real slog Mm. and it's taking its toll physically, emotionally, psychologically, financially everything if you can get back to the fun and of course the number of times of people who stop having IVF and then that's when they get pregnant Mm, I'm convinced it's because so often it's less stressful hard to get back to the fun when you've got that kind of pressure on you though. and yet you're the only one putting that pressure on yourself there is nobody else insisting I would hope that you've got to have a child and you've got to have it now that is an internal stressor. And that's where you need to rewrite the script. it's also
0: something we're programmed as animals to do yes, and, and to want. And, and unfortunately, you know...
1: fertility is nothing if not finite. So you do get to a stage where you're thinking, but if it doesn't happen mm-hmm. soon... I'm going to be in my late 30s or early 40s and it may never happen. So I can quite see why we put ourselves under that pressure. Yeah. But that only goes to show that actually that's the moment where you've really got to try and take that pressure off as much as possible so that actually your life will be okay, whatever happens.
0: Let's talk about the menopause and sex during the menopause. Does it change? Is it harder? Will it diminish your sex drive?
1: And how do you deal with all of that? Every single woman will go through the menopause on this planet, but they will go through it differently. And some women famously sail through and some people really, really struggle. And the things that get affected are issues around confidence and particularly body confidence, not least because of the physical changes, but also quite classic biological changes, which can make sex actively uncomfortable, which is, you know, you get vaginal dryness and that can just simply make it really sore. Or you just get a situation where you just literally your libido has crashed because of all the hormonal changes. Changes. The key thing is to recognise that that's what's going on. Now, that there must have been probably even a generation ago where people just didn't really speak in those terms. It was like, OK, well, I'm going through the change. I am probably not going to have sex from now on. Nowadays, women just don't think like that. We want to have as much sex as we're feeling like and entitled to. So again, it's about... Having those conversations, and the hardest thing is, as I say, if you're a man and you're in a relationship with someone who has just decided, right, menopause has come, and for whatever reason, I'm now no longer having sex with you, and that's a very difficult situation. But there are so many ways in which you can help yourself. You know, lots of lube, lots of adoring qualities to your sexual encounter, so that both of you feel cherished, despite the fact that neither of you look 18 anymore.
0: You touched on dryness and pain. There, a question mm. that came up quite a lot is what to do if you find sex painful. Mm. I guess that applies to after having a baby; it's pretty damn painful. Or you or, know, menopause, or just you're someone that finds sex painful.
1: Now, this is a really interesting thing because you're absolutely right. Sometimes there will be a really classic physical thing. I guess birth a month ago and it's painful what a surprise or I'm now whatever 45 or 55 and it's different to how it used to be it's amazing how long it takes you to think that through Mm. sometimes it takes you a couple of years to think oh yeah this is probably what's been happening to me however there will be a very small cohort of women who find sex painful whatever and the key thing is get it checked out medically and or psychologically, because sometimes it could be very real complications with your genitals or in that area that you need to be really paying attention to. And pain is the body's way of saying pay attention. We don't always know what the pay attention bit is, but if it's painful, investigate it. Then, if you have physically investigated it and there is absolutely nothing wrong with you physically, nobody can find anything, Please do think of a psychological reason. It may well be that even though you think you're sexually liberated in the 21st century, there may be some deeper resistance that you're not really aware of that may be contributing to you thinking, either I shouldn't be doing this, I ought not to be having sex, or I can't have sex. I'm not lovable enough to be having sex. Those kinds of things can be swirling around in people's minds and they just need some help processing that. Okay.
0: We're nearly out of time, Lucy, but before we finish, some parting words of wisdom for women listening that want to have a more fulfilling sex life.
1: What will you leave us with? The key thing is, yes, you deserve that. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, particularly if you're in a relationship where someone is perhaps trying to close you down. To say, no, no, you know, we're having enough. Don't be silly. Don't be ridiculous. If you find you're in a situation like that, then that would be cause for concern almost. So always celebrate yourself as a sexual being and love yourself. That, I think, is my overall thing. And whether that means, you know, just slathering yourself in the most gorgeous smelling moisturizer every day or masturbation a lot. I think we should all be doing it once a day. But there we go. Love yourself. Okay. Lucy, thank
0: you so much. Pleasure it's always a pleasure to talk to you and you know i think the takeaway for me from this is definitely communication and you know if you want a more fulfilling more enjoyable sex life then you've just you've got to talk about got it, to speak
1: up yeah. yeah it's your life yeah
0: that's it for this week if you enjoyed that then do please rate review subscribe and tell your friends and if you've got any feedback especially on today's podcast it's a bit of a first for us then do please email podcast at we'd love to hear from you Bye bye